Hi there. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. Great to see all of you. Hey, I want to tell you something. When I was 23, uh, I was finishing college. I was finishing my theology degree, and I had gotten hired at uh, the church that I was attending. Um, they brought me in through a series of interviews, but I remember it was a Wednesday afternoon that they actually came in and told me, hey, we want to hire you and bring you in and, and all that. And um, so I was very excited. And um, that night I had gone to, they had a midweek Bible study, and so I was going to the midweek service. And instead of doing the normal uh, midweek service, they, they were doing this drama presentation. And so, um, you know, normally they'd have the lights on and the pastor would teach, but instead they had this guy that was doing like this one-man show, um, and uh, so they had all the lights out. Now, you've got to understand, before I tell you the rest of the story, I was in my last semester of college, and uh, so I was very busy, um, you know, finishing my classes. I was up late just about every night uh, working on papers that I had to write to, to finish, and uh, so when they turned the lights out, I like within five minutes, I fell asleep, and, um, and you, know, you know, you ever have like one of those you know, you just kind of doze off. You know, you have one of those kind of sleeps. And then you have the other kind, which is like, um, you know, like your mouth is open. You're snoring really loud. You're drooling. Some of you are like, you know, that happened to me last week listening to you. Um, but, but here's the thing that, that, that happens, right? And it's like, I mean, you know, but if you ever had that, you're totally out. You're drooling. You're snoring like a chainsaw uh, in, in, in the middle of like hundreds of people who are around you. Um, and so that's what happened to me on that, that Wednesday night. And the weird part is that the presentation ended and uh, the lights came on and I kind of woke up and wiped my mouth and uh, I, I got up to leave and, and the two pastors who had just hired me were sitting right behind me uh, and, and, and after that whole scenario. And you can only imagine what they thought, you know, they probably one looked at the other and said, you know, hiring the snoring drooling kid was really a, a smart idea. That was a good call. Um, and now here's the deal is that it's been 14 years uh, since that, uh, that, since that night. And, I, and I've learned a lot about what it means um, to be a leader and, and set an example and all of that. And, and really what I've learned is that really leadership is one thing, uh, that leadership is influence. And what I learned that night about leadership and I what I learned that night about influence is that even when you're asleep, you can influence people because uh, when I woke up, I was told by a couple of buddies, I'm like, man, when you were not knocked out, a lot of people said, oh, I'm going to get comfortable too. Maybe I'll be blessed with some sleep. Um, and, and, and the issue is, and this is the thing that's really important, is when you hear a message that we talk about leadership or influence, you would say, well, I'm not really a leader in, in, in my sphere or my career or whatever, so this message really isn't for me. Well, I would encourage you to think just the opposite, because I believe that everyone is a leader in some area of their life. And to some capacity, to some degree, all of us have been given a measure of leadership. All of us have been given a measure of influence. You may not have a title, but that doesn't really mean anything. Because many times it's not really the title that matters, it's the influence that matters. You see, if you're a parent, then, then you're leading kids. If you're a husband, you're leading your family. If you're a friend, then, then you're leading and influencing the people that you're close to. Because at its core, leadership is influence. And so if you have influence with anyone, then we have a measure of leadership. And the key for us is to steward the leadership that we've been given, steward the influence that we've been given well. The scriptures teach us in Romans chapter 12, if you have the notes that we gave you, it says this. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. 
He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts at exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see, if you haven't been with us, or even if you have, you know that we've been working our way through the book of Judges, uh, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And the thing that we've been seeing over and over is, is that Israel has this ability to kind of fall into the spin cycle of sin. They start, they walk with God, and then there's no leader, and then they start going back to the old patterns of uh, sin, and then they get given over to that sin, and then they find themselves being oppressed by that sin, and then God, as they cry out to God, God raises up a leader and a deliverer for them. And see, these people that God raises up, these judges, these deliverers, these saviors, they're people from all walks of life. And yet God empowers them in a way that they become agents of God's grace, leading, pe- leading people from where they are to where God ultimately wants them to be. Now, here's the thing that's really important. And this is what we're going to really drill down on this morning, what Pastor Mark and I are going to spend some time talking about. We're going to explain really what biblical leadership is and why you need it and I need it in, in, in our lives. We're going to talk about why we need to accept the leadership roles and the influential roles that we have in our lives because we can't do anything until we accept it and then begin to leverage it. And we're going to talk about why we need to then also submit to the leadership that God has placed in our lives because, listen, the Bible teaches us that all of us are in submission to some to leadership in some form in some way. And it's only when we learn how to follow well that we will learn how to lead well. So I'm going to invite you to open to the book of Judges, chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1, and here's what we're going to read. It says, And then when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the first thing that I want to share with you, this first truth about leadership or influence, and that is this, and that is that leadership is essential for spiritual growth. It is essential for spiritual growth. You and I are not going to grow spiritually unless we have someone that, 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 we're, that we're following, someone that, 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 is, that is leading us from where we are to where God ultimately wants us to be. Now, let me explain it this way. At the Franquiz household, um, we don't force our kids uh, to eat, like, everything um, if, if they don't like it. Now, that's totally different than how both my wife and I grew up, and that's probably why we rebel against those rules. Um, but here's kind of what we do. If my son or daughter don't like, you know, they, they don't have to eat, you know, whatever it is they don't like, but they have to try it. That's the rule. So we say, they say, oh, I don't like broccoli. Well, you've got to at least try it. And if you tell us you don't like it, then we'll try to figure out you can try it in some other way or whatever. But if they then still don't like it, then we'll kind of work around that and you'll get vegetables a different way or, or, or whatever it might be. And so, um, but here's the thing that happens. I, I've been trying to get my daughter, who's three and a half, to eat fish for quite some time, because I just thought that she really liked steak, and I thought if she liked steak, she'd like fish, and so, um, but for whatever reason, she says she doesn't like it, so I'd use all of my tricks, because, you know, you have all these little tricks that you can use with kids, and, you know, because you're smarter than them, and uh, so you can do that, and so I'll, I'll use my tricks with my daughter, and I'll say, well, Bobby loves this, that's why I got her to eat steak, Bobby loves steak, it's his favorite food, and she'll say, 
oh, I like steak. And then she'll try it and she'll eat it. Well, I kept trying to say that I liked fish. Fish was my favorite food. And she was like, no, she would take a bite. I don't like it. And so for whatever reason, um, you know, nothing worked. So last night I tell her that I'm cooking some, some fish. And so Carrie, she has some, some uh, leftover steaks. She chops it up for Mia to eat because we're going to have fish. And so um, I tell Mia that I'm making fish. And she says, oh, I love fish. And I'm like, who are you? You know, since when? She's like, I love fish. I've, it's my favorite. And I'm like, all right. And I'm like, I'm going to make this fish and you're going to eat some. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to eat fish. I love fish. And so she tells me all this stuff about how much she likes fish. And so sure enough, I give her some fish. She loves it. And she's like, and I'm like, and I ask her and I'm like, Mia, um, not that I'm complaining, but why did you try the fish? She's like, because I love fish. And she says, and because Little Bear loves fish. And I say, now the truth comes out. You see, if you're not aware of my daughter's favorite show that she has to watch every night before she goes to sleep is a show on uh, Nick Jr. called Little Bear. And it's a show, you may want to almost slow down, it's a show about a little bear and his family. And so every, like every couple of episodes, because the, the father on the show, whose name is just a little tricky, his name is Father Bear, um, and his mother is Mother Bear, and then Grandfather Bear and Grandmother Bear. There wasn't a lot of creativity here in coming up with the names. Um, and, well, the thing that happens is, is that they, um, they all, his father is a fisherman, and so he talks all the time on the show about how much he loves fish. And so because my daughter I, loves Little Bear so much, she has decided in her mind that I have to love fish too because Little Bear loves fish as well. Little Bear also believes he can fly, but that apparently hasn't, uh, you know. But here's the, thing, here, here's the thing that happens. And this is the weird part, is that this cartoon character has influence. And we might even say that this little cartoon character has a, an ability to lead in a way that I didn't. And let me tell you how frustrating that is. Because Little Bear didn't get her anything for Christmas or her birthday. You know what I mean? And so, but, you know, because a lot of times whatever we do, we'll, she'll put it in the context um, of, of little bear. Well, what happened is, is that we gave her some steak and she also had, she likes to eat, uh, to eat it with some yogurt. And so she was eating a bite of yogurt and then a bite of steak and then a bite of yogurt and then a bite of steak. And then she decided this is a little too much work. So she took this, she scoops the steak and puts it in the yogurt. Oh, oh, it gets better. And so then she puts a lot of steak in there and then she just mixes it up. Oh yeah. So imagine like a pink yogurt with chunks of meat. And then she's taking a bite. She's like, mm, mm, delicious. And then she takes a scoop and she gives it to me. Now, mind you, she gives it to me and she's like, Bobby, you try some. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, you know, I politely declined. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, Mia, that's really just not going to happen. And then she says to me, she says, Bobby, you have to try it. You know the rules. <laughs> and I'm like... I have two options, and the option is either nasty meat yogurt or hypocrisy. And I was really leaning towards hypocrisy, I'll be honest with you. But I tried the meat yogurt, and it was nasty. It was disgusting. And, uh, and, but here's the thing, and this is the thing that's so amazing to me, is that we realize that it doesn't matter where, where we are, it doesn't matter who we are or what level of the, the you know, chain of command or whatever, all of us have been given a level of influence and leadership. And listen, and the thing that's important about us having godly leadership in our lives is that it takes us from where we are to where God ultimately wants us to be. And just like 
trying things that we've never tried or doing things we've never done. Listen, godly leadership will take us places that we wouldn't go normally. Listen, one of the things that happens that, that Christians mistakenly think is that they don't need any leadership in their lives. They can just find their way by themselves. Listen, godly leaders help us find our way. The Bible teaches us that spiritual growth throughout the scriptures, spiritual growth is found in the context of community. It never happens in the place of isolation. And isolation always leads to falling away from God and never leads to spiritual maturity. That's why when you, when you know, you know, all of us probably know someone that was attending uh, church at some point in time and then stopped attending. And then they, um, you know, it's like, well, they stopped attending. And then what happened? You don't talk to him six months later and say, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm going on the mission field. I'm going to be That's usually not what happens. No, what usually happens is they, they got out of fellowship. They got out of a place where they were being led from where they are to where God wants them to be. And when they got out of that and created isolation, they started reverting back to the old habits, the old sins, and the old ways that God had originally set them free of. And you see, that's the very thing that happened to Israel. Chapter 4 opens with this one phrase. It says, when Ehud was dead. Israel began to do evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, Israel had peace for years. And we talked about this last week as Ehud had delivered the people from, uh, from Eglon, who was uh, the, 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 the king of the Moabites. And so as he, then he, finally, he freed them, they wiped out the Moabites, and they had some, now they, they were on their own, they were following the Lord, and Ehud was leading them, and godly leadership was taking them to a place of spiritual growth. And then what happens? Well, Ehud goes to be with the Lord, his, his time, his season is over. And because there was nobody else, but what happens? They turn back to the old ways and turned from God to the gods that they had served before. And listen, we, we, I see it happen here all the time. We see people come to know Jesus at this church, and we're blessed to see that every single week here at Calvary. But one of the things that, that, that happens is, is that if, if you don't make being here a priority, if you don't make getting involved in a growth group a priority, if you don't make spiritual growth a priority, here, here's the thing that will happen. And, 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 we, and here's the thing. We will say, oh, that'll never happen to me. And every person that it happens to always says it'll never happen to me. But it does. And the reason it does is because spiritual growth cannot happen in isolation. It happens within the context of community. And Jesus told a story of a sower who went to sow seed. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, and, the, and he said this, that the, stone, the, the, the seed fell on different types of soil. I'm not going to read the whole story to you. What I want to read is just his explanation of the story that, that, that explains this point so perfectly. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew, chapter 13. He says, listen to them what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the one who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he only lasts for a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. But the one who received the seed that fell among thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of, the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the word that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what he's sown. You see, and here's the thing that can happen in your life the same way it can happen in mine, is that if we aren't careful, 
Through disobedience, we start rejecting God's leadership and authority in our lives. And the thing that I've learned, listen, this is the thing that I've learned now in whatever, 15 years of, of, of ministry, and, and that is that people, when people will not submit to spiritual authority in their lives, it's symptomatic of the fact that they are not submitting to God. The Bible tells us this. I put it in your notes in Hebrews 13, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority, for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, before you think, you know, Pastor Bob, you love that verse because, you know, it means that, you know, the person who's leading the congregation, the, the congregation should be in, in, in submission to them. And you say, now, before you say that you really like that verse because of that, I'll tell you this. I'm terrified of that verse. You know why? Because that verse also says that those who are leading must give an account. And so not only are you, you know, all of us are going to stand before God for our own actions. But as a leader, the Bible says in the book of James that we're going to be uh, treated a little more strictly, that we'll be judged a little more harshly, and that there's a, a moment where I'm going to stand before God and not just deal with my own actions, but also be judged according to how well I've led. And if I can be honest with you, that's why if it's like, man, sometimes you're a little hard on us. Yeah, I am. Sometimes you push us a little bit. Yeah, sometimes I do. And the reason is, is because we're going to stand before God and give an account of what it is that we've done. And, and the bottom line that it comes down to is this, is that spiritual, uh, spiritual leadership is essential for spiritual growth. I have never in all my years as a Christian met someone who wasn't plugged into a church that was really growing spiritually. Why? Because it's impossible. Because spiritual growth happens within the context of community. We need each other. and We need the leaders that God puts in our lives. We talked about this several weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4 when we were going through the book of Ephesians. But it says this in Ephesians 4. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, spiritual... Growth happens within the context of the body of Christ, the, of the body of believers. We need pastors teaching us the word of God. We need leaders directing us to where God ultimately wants us to grow. If not, we find ourselves where the children of Israel were, going back to the old ways, going back to the old life, going back to the things that God had originally set us free from. Now, Pastor Mark's going to share point number two with you. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Feel free to. Uh, you have your Bibles open uh, to Judges chapter 4. Let's continue reading um, in verse 4. It says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Libadoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under a palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak's son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Nephtali and said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Nephtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude at the river of Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, if you go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. 
So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking for the Lord. And then Sisera's hand will be given to a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with him, Barak, to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh and went up with 10,000 men under his command. And Deborah went up with him. If you pause there and give me your attention, what we're seeing here is that leadership is acting on God's command. Leadership is listening to God and doing what God is asking you to do. A few weeks ago, um, I went to the Disney store. Uh, I have two boys, and my boys love the movie Toy Story. Uh, they watch it all the time. We actually have it on our iPhone, so when we go to a restaurant or something, we could have a good time, and uh, we kind of prop it up on the table, and they watch the movie, and, and we enjoy our food, and, and we're um, at the Disney store, and I see these two uh, Buzz, uh, Buzz and Woody uh, pajamas, and so I bought them. I actually brought a picture of them wearing uh, their pajamas and, uh, and what's funny is that my son Caleb will run around the house sometimes going, I'm Buzz right here. And I'm saying, uh, son, it's not Buzz right here. It's Buzz Lightyear. And he looks at me and says, Papi, I know, right here. And I'm like, okay. And, and um, the other day I was actually alone with the kids uh, at night and I bathed them. I fed them. And, um, you know, I got them ready to go to bed and they were playing in their room. And uh, I did what dads do. You know, I sat, I opened my computer and started messing around with my computer. And here's the thing. If you're a parent, if you're a dad, you know that the kids are okay. As long as it sounds that they're like destroying your house. Like if it sounds like, you know, they're terrorizing the house, they're okay. But if for a moment there is silence, something's going on, right? And I had one of those moments. Um, I'm on my computer and I don't hear the kids anymore. And I'm like, Caleb! That's my oldest. He's three. I'm like, Caleb! Caleb! And he doesn't answer me. And so I run to his room and I, I walk up to him and I'm like, Caleb. And he doesn't look at me. And, and they're just playing there with the little trains and stuff. I'm like, Caleb. He looks at me dead in the eyes and he says, Papi, I'm not Caleb. I'm Buzz right here. <laughs> and, and you know what? As funny as that can be, you know, a lot of us pretend when God is talking to us that God's not talking to us. When God wants to communicate something to us, we're like Caleb. I'm not me. I'm Buzz right here, you know. And, and you know what? That's exactly what we're seeing in this passage that, that we just read. See, Israel was without a leader for 20 years. And during those 20 years, they were oppressed by the Canaanites. Israel was desperate. The Bible says that they cried out to God. God, deliver us. And God's looking over the children of Israel, trying to find a leader, trying to find someone that would lead his people. And there was not one man. Worthy of being the leader of the children of Israel. However, there is a hero. No, it's not a man. It's a woman. And her name is Deborah. And why am I making a big deal about it? It's because as we study scripture, we look throughout the Bible, we see God raising men over and over to lead his people. Men like Noah. Men like Moses and Joshua and David. And the reason why is because when it comes to leading God's people, when it comes to the leadership that God was looking for, he wanted to model what was happening in the home to be the same model that was happening uh, when it came to leading his people. So here we read that the Lord calls Deborah, and now she is the spiritual leader of Israel. But the time came when God wanted to deliver his people from the Canaanites. He wanted to go to war. He wanted to get rid of Sisera and his army, and he's looking for a man. And he finds a man, and God calls out to him, but you know what? 
Barak doesn't listen. It's like Caleb all over again. God's going, Barak, Barak, I want you to go do this. And Barak doesn't listen. He's like, I'm not Barak. I'm Buzz right here. You know? And, uh, and so Deborah, the judge of Israel, calls Barak and says, Barak, didn't God tell you to go and put an army together so you can go to war? Didn't God promise you that not only to go to war, but that he was going to go with you? He was going to take care of everything? And he's like, well, you know, I'll go if you go. Okay, what is he, like a five-year-old baby? And, And here's the thing. This is an epidemic that I see that's plaguing our society more and more every single day. Today, God is calling all of us to lead. God is calling all of us to take responsibility. And I know there's some of you looking around the room going, ah, you know what, Mark, I'm just not a leader. You know, I, I'm just not a lead, a leader. I, you know, um, and, and I hear men saying all the time, oh, I'm just, I'm just not a leader. I just want to show up and, and help out. And, you know, I just don't want the responsibility. And, you know, it's not only when it comes to leadership in the world. This is what people do in their lives every single day. You know, I hear husbands boasting about how, no, everything in our house is 50-50. Right. But the truth is, it's more like 90, 10. And the woman is taking most of the responsibility, most of the burden, you know, taking care of the children, all the stress. And there she is leading it. You know what? God has called us not to be 50 percent. God has called us to be 100 percent responsible in our home. That's what God has called men to do. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter five for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And you probably love this verse. I'm sure there's men around the room like nudging their wives and going, saying a little prayer, saying, God, thank you for putting it in the pastor's heart to share this verse. Because my wife, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't listen to me. You know why your wives don't respect you sometimes? Because you're not leading them. You're not giving them a purpose to respect you. If you need to tell your wife and your kids, oh, I'm the leader, I'm the boss in the home, then you're not leading well. See, leadership is obvious. And you know that you're a leader because people are following you. You don't care about a title. You're doing it because God called you to do it. You want respect? You want your kids to respect you? Start coming to church. Let them see you living a life that's worth following. The key point in, in, in our, in our fill-in today was acting. Leadership takes action leadership is doing doing what god calls us to do if you're a husband if you're a father guess what you are a leader one of the things that i do here at calvary that i love the most it's it's a lot of fun i get to hang out with the teenagers i'm the youth pastor and one of the things that i see a lot happening especially with like the moms the other day i had a mom come up to me and say oh pastor mark me and my daughter we're best friends you know, we, we, I, she tells me everything. I tell her everything. I know everything about her. You know, I'm on her top five on her cell phone. I mean, we talk about everything. And before you start going, oh, that's so cute. You know what? That's a cop-out. Your kids, your daughter, being her friend, it's easy. That's real easy to be your daughter's best friend. And you know what happens? That's why sometimes she doesn't respect you. You see, daughters, your daughter doesn't need you to be her best friend. She needs you to be her mom. She needs you to be her leader. Your sons, they don't need you to be their best friend. They need a mom and a dad that will be there with them that is brave enough to tell them what they don't want to hear. 
Our kids need parents that when they're not doing their homework, that they say, you know what? I'm getting rid of that PS3. I'm getting rid of that Nintendo Wii until you start doing your homework. You know why? Because we love them because God called us to do that. You know what our kids need? Our kids need parents that when they say, oh, I don't want to go to China, I'm tired. Say, look, I know you were texting or you're on your computer or whatever, or you got home late. But today, as a family, we're going to church, whether you like it or not. And here's the thing. You make the decision now. You're the parent. They're under your control. Imagine. Imagine then now what happens most of the time. We get emails and call, Pastor, please pray for my son. You know, he's, he's walked away from the Lord. You know, he's doing drugs or he's doing this or he doesn't call me anymore. And it's like, oh, sure, we'll pray for your child. How old is your son? Oh, he's 32. And it's like, you've wasted your time. Oh, he's 21. You know what? Now is the time to lead your children. You know what friends do? Friends backstab you. You want to be your kid's friends? That's what friends do. Friends steal your boyfriend. Friends tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Parents love no matter what. Parents have been called by God to lead. Ephesians chapter 6 is this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4. All of us have been called to lead, whether you're 12 or whether you're 70. I'm not just focusing on, on parents. Whether you're 12 or 70 years old, you've been called to be a leader. Matthew 5 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And what does a light do? A light leads. A light tells people where to go. If you're a Christian, you are a leader. You see, you don't have to be an evangelist to point people to Jesus. The way that you live your life, the way that you act, is the light that will lead people to Christ. There's a lot of people that, you know, it's real easy for them to talk, but then they're not being a light in this world. And so if you call yourself a Christian, then you are the light of the world. You are a leader. And the truth is that a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they're, they're not obeying God. God is calling us. Maybe right now some of you are saying, man, is this God trying to speak to me? Is this God? You know what? God is trying to speak to you. He actually sent two pastors today to tell you this message, message that God has called you to be a leader. So let's stop acting like my three-year-old son who thinks he's buzzed right here, and let's begin to lead. God wants us to be a leader, and here's the thing. It's not because he needs you. It's because he wants to bless you. See, when he called Barak to be a leader, he said, I will deliver them into your hand. God said, go fight these, this army with their 900 iron chariots, which is at the time was like 900 tanks. These guys are showing up like David with like slingshots, you know, and little knives and swords. I mean, that's the type of army. Israel didn't have an army. He said, get 10,000 people and go fight this guy that's a professional murderer with his professional murdering army that has been conquering nation after nation, village after village with their 900 tanks. Go attack them. No wonder Barak's like, uh, I'm buzzed right here. You know, it's not me. It's because he knew what he was going up against. And God promised him, I will deliver them into your hand. God is telling you today, you want peace in your home? Be a leader and God will bring blessing. You want to restore relationships with your children? Begin to lead. Stop sitting around and praying for God's blessings to just fall on your lap and begin to act. See, I hear people all the time saying, God's not answering my prayers. You know what? A lot of the prayers that you pray to God have been answered in the Bible. They've been answered. But the problem is, is that we get mad because we want God to bless our disobedience. 
We want God, oh God, just, just bless me because I'm just such a bad boy. You know what? Bad boys, bad girls, they don't have a lot of blessings. God wants to bless us, but for God to bless us, we need to lead. Let's continue reading in verse 11, chapter 4 of Judges, verse 11. It says, Now Heber, the Canaanite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, has separated himself from the Canaanites and pitched his tent near the Terebith tree and Zanii, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Haroseth, Hagoim, and the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, up. She had to remind him, wake up. You know, think about it. How many men do we know or, or people, teenagers do we know that they can't even wake up to go to school? Here Barak is, like, about to go to war. And Deborah's like, come on, Barak, wake up. Okay, we got to go to war. For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak and Sisera, alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Haroseth and Hagoim. And all the children of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not one man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Canaanite. From there was, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Canaanite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. And then said, and then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened up a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And she, and said to her, stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you, and says, is there any man here? You say no. And Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand, and went softly to him, and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down to the ground, for he was fast asleep, and so he died. I hope so, after she drove that through his head. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with a peg in his temple. And so on that day, God crushed Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. Of Israel, And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, under, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. If you stop there and give me your attention, leadership is following God. We have to take God by the hand and allow him to lead us and say, God, wherever you lead, I will go. See, when I was a senior in high school, I went to grad night. Anybody ever go to grad night? Yeah. Anybody ever go to grad night? All right. Um, I went to grad in 1996. Can I hear it for 1996? <laughs> and the cool part of this trip was that my girlfriend went on the trip with me. And so I, I was really looking forward uh, to the trip, you know, holding her hand, staring into her eyes, you know. And uh, the bands that were playing, for those of you that don't know what grad night is, it's actually like a night where Disney closes down and only seniors go and there's concerts and parties and you can ride. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, however, the year that I was there, the bands that were there were the Rim Rats, 
Sammy Kershaw, Silk, Immature, and Mickey Finn. See, uh, if you ask me, I think I got ripped off that year uh, for grad night. I only knew two of the songs that any of the bands were playing. One was on the Rim Rants, and it wasn't because I even knew that was the name of the band that sang the song, but it was the, so- the theme song for the show Friends. All right, I'll be there for you, right? Anybody know that song? And the other one was from the band uh, Silk, right? And they sang this song, Let Me Lick You Up and Down. And, uh, <laughs> okay, I'll stop there. And, and here's the thing. Since the music, since the music uh, wasn't that good, what we did is we just rode rides all night. And, and yes, the lines were long, but when you're a senior, you don't care, right? Especially if you're there with your girlfriend, we were like hugging and holding hands. And she was trying to give me a kiss. I'm like, please don't kiss me, you know. And then, uh, and then we would ride rides and hold hands a little more and stare into each other's eyes. And then we get off the ride and we just like start where we left off and continue walking. And, and we did this ride after ride after ride, like a little thing. I'm sure the people around us, maybe some of you in your seats want to puke. But, uh, you know, it was the happiest place on earth. What were we supposed to do, right? Until we got to Tomorrowland. We get on a ride, make the line, get on a ride. We get off the ride and I lost my girlfriend. I can't find her. I'm looking. I'm like, where is she? And then I see off in a distance, I see her walking. I'm like, oh, that's her. That's what she was wearing. And she's holding some other guy's hand. And she's just walking and walking. And, and I'm thinking, like, who is this guy? I've never seen this guy. You know, how can he just come and, like, take my girl like that? You know? And then I keep looking and I realize she has no idea she's holding some other guy's hand. And so at this point, I'm like, oh, this is funny. And so I just stop and look and wonder, like, when is she going to realize she's holding somebody else's hand? And then I see her pucker her lips and look at him. And guess what she does? She kisses the guy. No, that would have been a good story, but she doesn't do that. Um, At that moment, when she looks at the guy, she starts screaming and I start laughing. You know, it's it's a real funny story. But you know what? The same thing happens to us. We think we're doing the will of God. We think we're following God. But the truth is, we are following someone else. We're allowing sin to lead us. And there's only one way to make sure that you are holding the right person's hand. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And this right here is the key to experiencing a victorious life. This right here is the key to being an effective leader. And this is the reason why God gave Israel the victory at the end. He gave them the victory, one, because Deborah was a woman that followed God. She was a woman that was obedient to the call of God. Number two, we see that when Barak finally decided to be obedient and do what God was calling him to do and follow what God was asking him to do, we see in verse 15 that God routed Sisera. God crushed Sisera's army. Not only did God give them the victory through Deborah and through Barak, in, in verse 17, we're introduced to another, to another hero, Jael. This woman was minding her own business, hanging out outside of her tent, and she sees this murderer killer walking around, and she invites him into her house. I know what some of you are thinking. Was she crazy? How could she do something like that? But here's the thing. She saw an opportunity to lead. She saw an opportunity to do the will of God. And once and for all, put an end to this guy. She lures Cicero in, offers him some milk and maybe cookies, and says, come on, take a nap. And when he wasn't looking, she grabs a stake and drives it through his head. A couple of years ago, in my house, we had this ant problem, right? And I don't know what the thing is with women and insects, 
right? But they're terrified of them. And so I'm taking a shower, and all of a sudden, I, I hear like, Help! I don't really know. I mean, the water's hitting me. I hear noise. I run out of the shower. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, look, there's ants in the kitchen. They're everywhere. And I'm like, did I hear what you said? There's ants in the kitchen. She's like, yes, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And I'm like, okay, no problem. I went, I got a can of bug spray. And I said, look, next time, don't give me a heart attack. Just spray them with this. And she loved it. She was killing ants. I was killing ants. And here's the thing. The more ants we killed, the more ants came out. And then one day she's like, we have a bug problem. Can you call a professional? And so I call the orchid man. I tell the orchid man my problem. And he says this. You're never going to get rid of your insect problem, of your ant problem, until you kill the queen. And I'm like, oh, so it's the queen, right? And yeah, she was the one that like, keeps having all these little baby ants. And they keep invading my house and getting into my cookies and stuff. And here's the thing. Barak crushed his sister's army. And he won the battle, but Sisera was still on the loose. A man with Sisera's skills in war could easily raise up another army and conquer Israel once again. And what Jael does is she destroys all hopes of that ever happening when she kills the queen ant. She kills all hope of them regrouping and reorganizing. The very same thing applies to us as Christians. We give our lives to Jesus. We begin following God. That's like Barak destroying the Canaanites. But if there is still secret sin, if there is still sin lurking inside of us, sleeping in our tent, if that Queen Anne is still there, we're never going to be able to be effective followers of Jesus. We will never be effective leaders. Hebrews 12 once says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. What we need to do right now is we need to ask ourselves, what is it? What is that sin in our life? What is that thing that is getting in the way of my relationship with God? Is there something in my life that's not allowing me to be the leader that God has called me to be? You see, some of us are under the impression that we're following God, but the truth is that we're walking around holding Satan by the hand instead of God. Just like my girlfriend was at grad night, walking around with someone that she had no idea who he was. See, we got to wake up. we got to look up and realize it's not God who we're following. It's not God who we're obeying. See, and if you're hiding sin in your life, it's going to be impossible for you to follow God the way that you should. It's impossible for us to do the will of God and also follow somebody else. We need to get rid of that sin that so easily entangles us. And maybe you're thinking, but Mark, I'm just, I'm stronger than the average man. I'm stronger than the average woman. I can do it. You know, I've heard people say, I'm a Christian, but I like smoking pot every once in a while. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I live with my boyfriend, or I still go out and I get drunk, or I go clubbing and I hook up with random girls, but I'm still a Christian. I still love God. God knows me. I know God. Or I do shady things when it comes to business. Or I still watch pornography. See, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus right now, you need to grab a stake and you need to drive it through that sin. See, because it's going to bring you back right where you started, and maybe you're going to be worse off than you were before. For those of you that are in a relationship that's sinful, that's the Sisera in your life. That's what's keeping you from being the leader that God created you to be. And you know what you need to do? You need to drive a stake through that relationship. Stop dating them. Break up. Stop dating her. Break up with her. Oh, but Mark, I just love her so much. I love them so much. Really? If you really, really love them, you'd be more concerned about their spiritual life than your physical needs. 
Some of you maybe struggle with drugs and alcohol. And you do a pretty good job. I mean, you, you come to church, you do a good job, you stay clean. But then you hang out with a certain group of people. You need to drive a stake through those relationships right now. You're like, Mark, but I just want to reach him for Jesus and then I get weak. But you know what? There's no way that you can reach your friends for Jesus while you're passing out a pipe, you know, in a room with your buddies. You can't do that. Okay, what you need to do is to be a light. And the way that you live your life will bring your friends to Jesus. Maybe for you, you do have a problem when it comes to pornography. Drive a stake through that computer. Drive a stake through that internet service. Cancel it. Cancel, you know, your, your cable. Or is Cinemax more important to you than your relationship with Jesus? And maybe for you, I didn't even touch what your problem is. But you know what it is. It's been burning. It's been burning a hole in your heart, in your mind, this entire message as you're thinking, man, it's this and maybe I'll walk out of here. You won't even mention it. You know what? You know what it is. Crush it today. See, there's no way that you could be an effective leader walking around with hidden sin. Joel 2 says this, turn to me with all of your heart. God is telling you this morning, turn to me with everything that you got and I will bless your life. To be an effective leader, we need to follow God with all of our hearts and not allow anything or anyone to lead us. Imagine what your lives would be like. Imagine what your businesses would be like. Imagine what your marriage would be like. Imagine what your relationship with your kids would be like if you'd say today, today I'm driving a stake through anything that gets in the way of my calling, of what God has called me to do. It's over. Just think about that for a moment, how your lives would change. And here's the thing, you got nothing to lose, and you have everything to gain. God bless you. I'm going to ask Pastor Bob to come wrap it up. Thanks, Mark. He did a great job, huh? Yeah, he did a great job. You know, um, some of you, uh, I, you know, you hear weird things, and uh, Pastor Mark is not only a gifted, teacher, uh, gifted musician, he's also a gifted teacher, and he leads our youth. Um, if you if you weren't as he mentioned and uh, and you know how do you know he does a, a really good job and, and it's because these kids want to follow him. In fact, just this week I saw a video of um, of one of the youth who went. This is just it was actually a series of three videos that I watched of the same kid um, who got a slice of pizza out of the garbage and ate it, and then he got uh, relax, bro, uh, and then. And then he got like a like a slush kind of thing, and he opened that and he drank some of it, all on a dare that Mark told him to do it. And uh, and it tells me two things. It tells me one, Mark likes his job a little too much. It tells me number two, those kids need Jesus. Uh, so, but but uh, but here's the last thing that I want to share with you, um, and, and that's this: is that um, it's that leadership is being worth following. It's being, it's being worthy of being, of being followed. I, I want to sh- just read a couple verses out of chapter 5. We're not going to read the whole thing, just a couple things. After the whole thing is over and now they're going to celebrate, Deborah and Barak, uh, they sing this song. Here's what it says in verse 2. It says, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, and I, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir... When you marched out from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai, uh, before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. And the travelers walked along the byways. 
village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was a, a war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offer themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. You see, there's an amazing thing that happens when you and I follow great leadership. What happens is, is that we grow spiritually and we see God do things in our lives that we never thought possible. The people followed Deborah, they followed Barak, and they saw God give them the victory. And it's an amazing thing that happens, and, and there's lots of um, issues as to what God did to give them the victory. But the bottom line is this, is that when a person commits themselves to following the Lord, and really plugs into a church and, says, and gets behind the leaders. And here's what happens. God does amazing things in that person's life. Now, there's two things that I want you to note in, in the, in, as we close. To verse 2 and verse 9. There's a reciprocal act that takes place. It says in verse 2, when leaders lead in Israel, people willingly give, them, give of themselves. But then in verse 9, it says that the rulers of Israel, that they willingly give themselves to the people. And so um, God does amazing things when, check this out, when the, the leaders say, hey, we're going to give ourselves and serve the people. And here's what happens. The people say, hey, we're going to give ourselves and submit to godly leadership. It's an amazing thing that happens. And that's why at the end, both groups say, bless the Lord, because he's the one that ultimately we're following. Because, friends, we need strong leadership. We need strong leadership in the church. We need strong leadership in our homes and in our families. We need strong leadership in government and in the workplace. But listen, leadership begins with an understanding that we are following the Lord because you cannot lead well if you cannot follow well. And that's really what it comes down to. That as we think about what God has called us to, he's given us influence. He's given us leadership. The question is, how are we going to use it? Let's pray together. And God, we want to thank you for the fact that you do give us influence and you do give us leadership, every single one of us. We pray that we might steward it well to do what it is that you've called us to do. So we thank you. We thank you for the story. We thank you for the scriptures. We pray that we might live it out as we lead well and cause others to follow the Lord as we are doing also. In Jesus' name, amen.